Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KYW Original Podcast. Well, Ray Dininger, uh, you were right about one thing, anticipating that the Kansas City offensive line could be an issue for them in Super Bowl 55. But I don't think anybody thought that it was going to be the route that it was in favor of Tampa Bay, and they would play so much better than Kansas City winning Super Bowl 55, 31-9. What was your overall reaction to the game? Disappointment disappointment because um, I, I thought it was going to be a great game. I, I really thought it was going to be a high-scoring, back-and-forth, exciting kind of game that was going to come down to the not just the fourth quarter, but maybe the last possession. You know, a, a battle between the best quarterback who ever played and the best quarterback who's playing today. I just thought it had all the makings of being a classic. You know, one of the great Super Bowls that we talked about for years. And it turned out to be just a route. You know, it was... Uh, I mean, it was 31-9, to nine, and frankly, it wasn't even that close. So um, that's, that was my feeling. I mean, I looked forward to this game a lot, and I was looking at all the matchups and all the different ways that the game was going to play out, and I thought it was going to be a really exciting, really exciting, great finish to the football season, and it turned out to be kind of a dud. Why did you think Tampa Bay dominated? Why did Kansas City's offense struggle so much? Oh, uh, it was pretty clear that they just, uh, you know, what we had talked about at uh, the end of last week came to pass, which was that the Kansas City Chiefs were, they just couldn't get over the injuries on their offensive line. I mean, they were playing with two backup players at the tackle positions. They had uh, a backup left tackle who isn't even really a left tackle. He's a right tackle playing left tackle. And then the right tackle was a guy who's actually the right, normally the right guard. Uh, and they were going up against a, uh, a Tampa Bay defensive front that's been very good. I mean, we saw what had happened when they play, when Tampa Bay played Green Bay in the NFC Championship game, and Green Bay had some injuries on the offensive line, and they were playing with some backup guys, and you saw the Tampa Bay pass rush just really took that game over and gave Aaron Rodgers a, a really rough time, and that was the one thing that I, I just really thought that's the one way that this game could kind of get out of hand is if, is if the Tampa Bay defense just is way too much for that Kansas City, that reshuffled Kansas City offensive line. And they were. Uh, I mean, they just, uh, they just couldn't block, especially Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, they just couldn't block him at all. Uh, and Shaq Barrett coming off the other side. You know, no, we played 55 Super Bowls now. No team has ever won a Super Bowl playing two backup tackles. Uh, I mean, teams have gotten by with one on occasion, including the Eagles. When they, when they beat the Patriots a few years ago, they, they won with Halapuli Vitae at left tackle. But no team has ever won playing two backup tackles, and that still holds true. You just saw that 
that was really kind of where the game was decided. It was that pass rush never allowed Patrick Mahomes, as great as he is, it never allowed him to settle in and do the things he normally does. The first half penalties, nine for Kansas City, if my count is correct. What did you think of the calls, and, and how much did that play a part in Tampa Bay building their lead? A lot, a lot. I thought that um, one of my concerns going into the game was, uh, I just you know, I just said how I was really looking forward to this game, and I was, but one of the things that gave me pause uh, a couple days ago was I saw uh oh Carl Sheffers <laughs> when I saw when I saw that when I saw that he was the referee uh, it 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 made me concerned because um, this year his his officiating crew threw more flags than any officiating crew in football uh, in in a year when penalties were down across the league and down significantly really. Uh, old Carl Sheffers, he was still throwing the laundry um, <laughs> like it was the good old days, uh, and uh, and I and I thought that you know, boy, of all the of all the officials to put in this game, him, um, and I was kind of hoping that he would he would back off and just let them play, and he did. I mean, he called a typical Carl Sheffers kind of game, uh, and I really thought that um, it really hurt. It really really hurt the Chiefs. I mean, they had uh, eight penalties for 95 yards just in the first half. Uh, and critical penalties that extended drives and uh, and actually led to points and put the and put the Chiefs in a hole that they just couldn't escape. So, yeah, I mean, the the Buccaneers won this game really fair and square. I mean, they were clearly the better team. They dominated at the line of scrimmage, really on both sides, offensive line and defensive line. Thoroughly outplayed, thoroughly outplayed the Chiefs. So I don't want to take anything away from that. But there's no question that the officiating. In critical spots, definitely allowed the Bucks to to build that lead. And coming out in the second half, the game was really pretty much pretty much over. And it coincided; those penalties coincided with Andy Reid making questionable decisions to call timeouts late in the first half, with Tampa Bay having the ball. So they're stopping the clock in essence for Tampa Bay. What what did you think of that? I thought it was a mistake. I thought it was a mistake. I. Uh, um, you know, they, the Chiefs had been really outplayed badly in the first half, and yet the score was only 14-6. to six. Um, uh, So my thinking is, okay, the, the Bucks get the ball back with uh, 55 seconds to go before halftime, and they look like they're actually pretty content to just kind of run it out. And if I were the Chiefs, I would have said, fine, just, just run it out. Let's go, in the, let's, let's go to the locker room. We've got a whole half hour here for the halftime show. We've got a whole half hour to kind of regroup. We got really pushed around and outplayed for the first half of this game. But guess what? We're only eight points down. That's not too bad. We're still in this game. Just let it run out. You were lucky to be that close. Just let it run out and get to the locker room, too. As soon as Andy called the first time out, I thought, this is a mistake. You don't want to do this with Tom Brady. You don't want to lengthen the game here and, and give Tom Brady more chances. And sure enough, the combination of the two clock stoppages and then two really costly pass interference penalties allowed the Buccaneers to tack one more touchdown on right before halftime, and that was just a killer. What does this victory mean for Bruce Arians' legacy? Now he joins a select group of guys that have won a Super Bowl, and he becomes the, he becomes the oldest, and his distinction is he becomes the oldest guy to win a Super Bowl. And uh, it was, it's quite a feat, you know. It, 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 really, it, really, it really is quite a feat for a guy that started his, his coaching career, really, as a head coach right here at, at Temple University resurrecting that program that had been dormant for years 
he actually proved that you could play winning football in North Broad Street when he was when he was a much younger coach, uh, and uh, and he's had a very fine career since then. And he's you know he's he's bounced around and he's won in other places as an assistant coach. Uh, but I was delighted that he finally got a chance as a head coach to uh, to take a team to the playoffs and then to see it end up with him winning a Super Bowl and getting the Gatorade bath was that was really satisfying because he's you know he's a he's he's a maverick coach you know in a in a profession where coaches uh, all kind of there's there's kind of group think there's coach think everybody kind of looks and sounds the same um, Bruce Arians has always been his own guy uh, and. Uh, uh, players have always enjoyed playing for him. Uh, he certainly has a unique scheme of offense, uh, but he, make, he has fine ways of making it work. And, you know, the marriage of Bruce Arians at 68 and Tom Brady at 43, <laughs> it proved to be pretty magical. And so, uh, you know, I, I give them full credit. I mean, if you think about a team like that, they had, hadn't even been to the postseason in 13 years. And uh, they bring Tom Brady in there, and they not only go to the playoffs, but they win a Super Bowl. It's a pretty amazing story. Is Tom Brady, without question, the greatest co- quarterback of all time? Without question, he's the greatest quarterback. I mean, I, there, there's nothing else he can do. There's nothing else he can do at this point to further that. Uh, I mean, I don't think there was much doubt before this, but there certainly can't be any doubt after this. I mean, he's won seven Super Bowls, which is more than any NFL franchise. <laughs> so, so I mean, he stands alone. Really, the only question you can ask about Tom Brady now uh, is not is he the greatest quarterback because that's been proven beyond any dispute. Uh, the, the only question you can ask is, is he the greatest football player of all time? I, I think, I think, you know, you have to, that's, that's the only other discussion that remains. Is he the greatest football player of all time? The quarterback position, he owns it. I mean, he owns all the records. He owns all of it. Uh, but I think now you can ask the question, is he, is he the greatest football player? Is he better than Jim Brown? Is he better than Lawrence Taylor? Is he better than all of those other guys that we always talk about as the greatest player? Tom Brady may have just uh, moved up the ladder past all of those guys. Like you said, he has seven Super Bowls, and that is more than any single franchise in the entire league, and that is pretty remarkable. Ray, I did not want to ask you this on Friday because there was still – I'm sorry, we spoke Thursday. I did not want to ask you this on Thursday because there were still three days to go before the game. I, I specifically didn't want to ask in fear of jinxing it. But now that the game has passed and the NFL season finished on time – uh, with no uh, delays in terms of an extra week or something like that, what are your thoughts on that? It's amazing. It's amazing they were able to do it. Um, I mean, I I thought all I thought all along that um, that there was going to have to be some sort of a delay. I, I I I didn't think they would get every game in. I thought there'd be some games that would just get postponed, pushed back, and then finally, oh, you know, that one doesn't even matter. That team's not going to make the playoffs. We're not even going to make that game up. You know, I thought there were some games that were never going to get played, uh, and I really, I really kind of thought when they got to the postseason, there was a chance they were going to have to put a pause in there and maybe wait a week or two weeks and allow teams to, uh, you know, and allow teams to regroup and uh, play the Super Bowl. I thought we might wind up playing the Super Bowl in March. Uh, I thought all of those things were possible, but the fact that they finished the season on schedule, everybody got to the postseason. Postseason games went off on schedule, and you wound up playing the Super Bowl. At the, on uh, kicking it off at 6:30 p.m. on February 7th, just like it was written up back in the spring. To me, it's amazing. You know, I mean, it was it was a, a Herculean achievement, really. And and you look at happened, you look back on it, and it wasn't a perfect year by any means. I mean, yeah, the, you know, Denver had to play a game where they had no quarterback quarterbacks. Uh, you know, the Baltimore Ravens had games that were moved, and you were playing games on Wednesday afternoon and Tuesday nights. 
but everybody did what they had to do to get the games in, uh, and it's pretty remarkable. And I think the the best thing of all is that there was that there was no real COVID tragedy in the National Football League. You know, when you think about the number of coaches and players and staff that are involved in these games, and the fact that there was travel and all of that exposure, uh, that you went through this whole season and you didn't have one single NFL person seriously ill or, God forbid, pass away uh, by this disease, and you got it all in and you got it finished, um, is pretty remarkable. I mean, it's a... they said at the beginning of the year, uh, and Roger Goodell said this at the beginning of the year, that we're all going to have to be flexible and we're all, all going to have to be willing to adapt, uh, given the circumstances of this year. And teams had to sacrifice a lot, but they got it all in, and we got a Super Bowl last night. And, you know, hopefully we'll never have to do this again. Hopefully it, by this next coming, upcoming September, we'll be able to get back to I don't think it's going to be totally normal. I don't know that you're going to have fans back in the stands in great numbers. Uh, but hopefully the 2021 season will begin to resemble the NFL that we used to know. Well said. Well said. And speaking of that 2021 season, that begs the question, Ray, who's going to be quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, I think all signs are pointing towards uh, Jalen Hurts is is leaning, uh, you know, as the favorite right now, if you had to predict as QB1 for the Philadelphia Eagles, because it seems like, based on many reports, that a Carson Wentz trade is very, very, very near. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it does certainly seem to. It certainly does seem to be pointing that way. Um, I mean, all the reports are that there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation going on now. the The trade last week, um, the big trade between Detroit and the Rams, where Matthew Stafford and Jalen and uh, Jared Goff were traded for each other, uh, really started the ball rolling. I mean, we kind of knew uh, going into this off season. There are a lot of teams, a lot of teams. By my count, coming into the offseason, uh, I, I, I saw 11 teams that I thought were shopping for quarterbacks. Uh, and there are a whole bunch of quarterbacks that were being discussed in trades. There are a whole bunch of quarterbacks that are coming up for free agency. And you got four or five quarterbacks coming out in this draft that will probably be first-round picks. So there's going to be an unusual amount of quarterback movement across the league in this offseason. Uh, and the Stafford, the Stafford and Goff trade, I think, kind of kicked it off. And now everybody's waiting to see what's the next shoe that's going to drop. And, you know, Deshaun Watson in Houston is the big name, and he's the best of the guys that's available. But Houston doesn't want to part with him, and I understand why. He's a great player. Um, so, I mean, he's the name that everybody's talking about. But in terms of who's most likely to be moved, it would probably be Carson Wentz because it seems like, the Eagles have pretty much, it seems like he has made it pretty clear he doesn't want to come back. Uh, and it now seems as if the Eagles have kind of accepted that and decided that they're going to move on. So, yeah, it appears like this is going to be the next, the next quarterback to change addresses is probably going to be Carson Wentz. So I, I want to ask you this question ahead of time. Um, because I want to be able to go back to it if, in fact, Carson does get traded. And I, and I put this out on social media over the weekend, and I, and I got some responses that um, did not necessarily agree with what I put out there. And, and who knows the history of the Philadelphia Eagles better and how to assess that history better than Ray Dininger? So I, I am by no means discounting uh, 2017. He was spectacular in 2017. Um, and in fact, I, I think sometimes he doesn't get enough credit for what ended up happening in 2017 because I don't think the Eagles make it to a Super Bowl if they're not the number one seed, and he was the key factor in them getting the number one seed. Right. So I, I am not discounting 27. He was, uh, he was incredible, uh, and he's had other great moments as a Philadelphia Eagle. But considering what they 
gave up to draft him and what they committed to him financially and the fact that his tenure is appearing to end after five years in Philadelphia with only, and, and it has to do, so a lot of it has to do with injury, with only four pass attempts in the playoffs and one completion. Um, I think history will not look kindly upon the Carson Wentz tenure in Philadelphia. What do you think about that? Um, probably in the short term, that's true. Uh, it seems to me the, the sentiment I feel from the public is that uh, they're more than happy to see him go. Uh, I don't think there's there doesn't seem to be a, a whole lot of feeling <clears throat> among the fan base or the or the people that are following the team that, that really wants him back. Um, I, I think that he may be viewed more kindly a few years down the road. You know, it, when you get further down the road, um, I think people may look back and say, you know, geez, he, he really was really good. Uh, I mean, he was great. Twenty seventeen. And I think he was better than people give him credit for in 18 and 19. I mean, the team did go to the playoffs both of those years, uh, and they had a lot of deficiencies in other areas that he made up for with some individually pretty spectacular play uh, late in the season. It got you to the playoffs. So um, I think that he, when people have a chance to look at it on the whole, I mean, the five years, three of those years in the playoffs, and I think you're right, they don't win a Super Bowl. They didn't win a Super Bowl with him, but they wouldn't have won it without him probably. Uh, I think people will look back and say, yeah, I mean, he, look, it didn't turn out the way anybody thought it was going to turn out. Everybody thought it was going to be one of those that he was going to be, you know, Philadelphia's John Elway, that he was going to be Philadelphia's Aaron Rodgers, that he was going to be a career eagle and, and win a championship for the city. Uh, and it never, came, it never came to that. So in that respect, it's a disappointment. But I think when people get a little distance and get a little away from the, the bruised feelings that are out there right now and they have a chance to take a – you know, maybe more objective look at it. I think they'll say, you know, this guy was a pretty good player. You know, and and you talk about the quarterbacks that have played for this team. He was one of the better ones. And you could probably, and you could make the argument that the season he had in 2017, next to Norm Van Brocklin's championship year in in 1960, may have been the greatest single quarterback year the Eagles have ever had. So it was. I mean, he was. You know, he was a really good player here, but it just didn't end the way anybody thought it was going to end or wanted it to end. No, it cer- certainly didn't, and I guess we'll just we'll keep waiting to see if something does end up happening. Uh, Ray Dittinger, I always appreciate your insight. I look forward to the next time we chat. Thanks a lot, and stay safe. I look forward to it too, David. Take care. Have a great day. You too, Ray. Hall of Famer Ray Dittinger of 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.